Welcome to the Not Last Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez. Today's topic is titled, Pre-Race Routine, or, If I Ever Get to Race Again, Here's How I Prep. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Not Last Podcast. Uh, I'm going to start with a little update with what's going on in our world here in, uh, in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, as if COVID wasn't enough, there is a massive wildfire uh, that is just ravishing our lands and destroying um, everything in its path. Uh, it is called the Holiday Farm Fire. Most of the West Coast is on fire right now, and this is largely due to climate change. Um, and uh, it has placed an enormous burden on our communities. The air quality is uh, is the worst in the world. Typically, we sit somewhere, you know, zero to 50 parts per million. Right now, our current air quality in Eugene, Oregon is 550 parts per million, um, which is the worst air quality in the world. So everything has stopped. Training has stopped. I've been off the bike for a little over, well, right at a week now. Um, stress levels are high. We're all pretty scared. And uh, anxiety is, is just mounting. Uh, we're trying to manage as best we can. We haven't suffered any major losses, thank goodness, um, but uh, many people have lost their homes, lost their towns. We've seen uh, just this devastating fire uh, up and down the West Coast and up in the Portland area in the larger city just north of us. It's um, also really, really bad. There's there's more fires that just keep uh, joining together and uh, we hardly have the crews and support to do it. So we're all sitting in kind of this anxious anticipation, ready to, to take action if there's something that we need to do, if we need to evacuate. Hopefully that never comes to fruition, but uh, if we do, then, then we, are, we are ready to go. Um, to give you an example, uh, we can't see to the end of our street. Uh, the, the smoke is so thick. We have ash falling from the sky. We have to wipe it off the cars just uh, before we start driving. And uh, it looks like there's just a fine... Uh, dusting all over the ground. You can see the roads or the car tracks on the roads if the roads haven't been driven on frequently. Um, we're still working in the shop. Our, my, my shop is still open. Um, it's slowed down a lot, but um, the, the owners haven't decided to close yet, so we're still working. It's been stressful. It's been pretty rough. Uh, we have uh, We have blankets stuffed around all of our doors just to try and keep the smoke out. You usually wake up with a headache and a scratchy throat. Um, we did buy a water filter that's been uh, helping because our, our water is tasting pretty smoky and 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 pretty bad. Um, and usually Eugene water is pretty great, but uh, there's a noticeable difference in the water quality. And um, we have a uh, a box fan that we strapped uh, an air filter to a bungee cord did, a bungee cord and an air filter to. Just we've had that running for a week straight, just trying to keep the smoke down as much as we can in the house. Um, it's just my wife and I, and then our two little cats, and um, they're managing okay. We're all managing okay, but uh, it's it's a little scary. My heart goes out to everyone who has suffered devastating losses, and um, and it's it is just unprecedented. I've, we've never seen anything like this before. We don't really know how to handle it or how to react to it, so we're just kind of taking this one day at a time. Uh, there's a lot of things that you know normally are in our control that have been rem <clears throat> removed from us, removed from our control, 
and um, you know, uh, one of the reasons why I want to make this episode today is that this is something that I can control. With training stopped and work and everything just stressful and difficult, we can't go outside because of the air quality. Um, and we've already done our, uh, Lauren and I did a thousand piece puzzle in six hours, a uh, very difficult puzzle too. It had, uh, uh, lots of repetitions on it. It was a bookshelf full of uh, repeating books and it was a very challenging puzzle. Uh, but we did that in uh, cracking six hours straight. Uh, and now we don't have anything else to do. Um, so we're trying to find new movies to watch on Netflix and Disney plus. Um, but this, this episode, this podcast, this is something that I can control, at least for now, and I'm going to continue to do that. I really enjoy making these, and for the next 35-ish minutes, we're going to pretend as if the world is normal and we're getting back into bike racing. Pre-race jitters are hard. They're difficult to get your head around. Getting into the right mind space uh, is is hard when you are anxious and nervous before a race. Um, it is not a good recipe for success to show up to the line really just amped up and stressed out. So I'm talking today about my warm-up routine that I have established and found over there a lot of trial and error, and I continue to refine every time. But uh, I'm going to share with you today uh, my warm-up routine, what I found that works for me, and how I came, a- came across this um, sort of routine. I always think about a race like this. There can only be one winner. Everyone who shows up to that race, registers for that race, shows up on race day, gets a raffle ticket. And everyone has the same equal chance with their one raffle ticket. So you're guaranteed one. The goal is to stack the odds in your favor. So effectively, I think about it as trying to get as many raffle tickets as possible so you can better your odds. The obvious and hardest earned raffle ticket is showing up to that race after putting in all of the hard work and training and being faster and fitter than everyone else. That's a really good ticket to have in your in your corner. Sometimes you have a quarter ticket. Sometimes you have three-quarter tickets. Sometimes you've got two tickets. Who knows? But that's the hard one to earn. Another one, like I said, is is everyone gets one for registering and showing up on race day. And I think you can earn another ticket for being mentally prepared on race day. And that's what we're talking about today. Cool, calm, and collected. It's taking me years to refine this routine It's always under improvement, and it's by no means absolutely perfect, but I think I've got a pretty good platform to work off of, and I'm going to share that with you here. But before I do, I'll talk about some times when I used to show up to races and and what I would do and, and some failures with that. So I used to show up and pretend to do something similar to kind of uh, what everyone else was doing. If one guy looked really serious, I would look serious. If one guy was on his trainer doing full sprints, I'd probably be on the trainer in about five minutes doing full sprints. Maybe somebody was bumping some, you know, super loud music out of their car, annoying everyone else. You don't worry, I'm soon to follow. My belief at the time was that doing these things would de facto make me ready to race and get me psyched up. And 
I was ready to race, but I surely wasn't psyched up. Um, once, <laughs> once I saw a guy. Uh, he was slapping his chest and thighs before he started, so I figured I'd give it a go too. And all I ended up with that was some red spots on my body, and I surely wasn't psyched up and ready to race. Uh, racing in college, there was a lot of this too. I affectionately call this、uh, testosterone poisoning, and the testosterone poisoning with a bunch of college guys racing bikes was、uh, severe. To say the least,、uh, only a few guys in the team had actual coaches at the time, and if they were told to do something by their coach, we all did something by the nature of that coach. So, if the coach said, "Put your legs up in the air against the the team van and put a towel over your head for twenty minutes," you would see every single one of us with our legs up in the air and a towel over our heads. Who knew someone was stealing our bikes? It didn't matter, but we had something to do to warm us up and and be ready because a coach said it. Uh, if you, uh, <laughs> I can remember one race. I believe it was it was either Idaho or Montana. We had driven out. No, it must have been Idaho because、uh, because it was it was warm that day, and and whenever we raced in Montana, it was a snowstorm,、uh, and or the race was canceled. So、uh, it must have been Idaho. But the、uh, one one of the teammates, one of our teammates on the UVO team,、uh, showed up with a case of Red Bull right before this Criterium race. So the Criterium is like a sixty minute knockdown, drag out fight sort of race. It's really hard, really fast. Technical tight corners and a short little circuit that you race around and round and round. And、um, so one of our teammates showed up with a full case of Red Bull, one of the big cases. And we said, "Well, no better way to amp up before a race than to get wings and 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 go race this thing." So we're we're gonna drink all the Red Bull. So we drained that entire case of Red Bull. And I think we all may have DNF'd on that race.、Uh, one of us may have finished.、It、certainly wasn't me. I know I DNF'd,、um, but it was、uh, something that we we thought would work for us and that we would would try and do.、Uh, we had no plan. We had no nothing. We、uh, we didn't know what we were doing. So so there you have it. That was our pre-race routine. That was our severe testosterone poisoning. It wasn't until I started to look inward that I began to tease out what would motivate me, and at the same time keep me calm、uh, before a race. Come race day, I am a control freak, and my Type A personality really comes out and shines hard. Depending upon the nature of the event, I have a packing list and tick off each box to make sure that I have everything I need、uh, for that day, or everything I might need for that day. There's a lot of what ifs and contingencies built into that packing list. I have several of these lists.、Uh, I will include one of these in、uh, the show notes. If you'd like to see it, you are welcome to use it, duplicate it, add it, amend it, whatever you want.、Uh, if you find it useful, I hope you do.、Uh, just think of me every time you do use it. So, for example, for small Tuesday night races, I I bring just some bare essentials and a couple contingency items. Maybe、uh, you know it's it's an extra tire or tube,、uh, or it's a you know、um, an extra skin suit or something, just in case if something goes wrong and I and I tear something or or whatever, I can do that. But at the end of the day, it's a Tuesday night race and it's not the end of the world. So, if all goes to pot, then. 
oh well, no big deal. For a road race, I'll bring a few more bits, uh, usually to account for whatever the weather could be. So there's extra gloves, a wind vest, maybe a rain jacket, maybe some warmers, um, a couple different types of, of mitts in there, um, a few different bottles that have you know either water or um, drink mix, usually scratch labs or something like that in there. But uh, I'll also bring some extra uh, mechanical bits, something in my toolkit. I always bring a toolbox every time I go to a race, whether it's a teeny tiny little tool roll or you know a full blown kind of kind of toolbox or anywhere in between. I've I've got something for everything. So that way I can address it on a road race, um, or at least before the road race. For a stage race, like a bigger multi day race, I'll bring a lot more stuff. It usually requires you know. Uh, two bikes at least and a couple sets of wheels and all this stuff so there's a lot of mechanical stuff going on Um, I don't have a team mechanic and fortunately I am a master bike mechanic so I bring a full complement of uh, a toolbox I have a big mobile toolbox that'll service a full team if it needs to be uh, and I'll bring my work stand with me as well so depending upon what type of race it is I can scale that list up or down to to meet the needs and make sure that I don't forget anything and, and kit. I'll bring tons of kit and lots of food for, for everything. Uh, I am a vegan athlete and uh, I try not to rely on anyone else's food that might upset my stomach or that could be difficult to process or doesn't meet my needs. So I will bring everything that I need to to try and control my scenario as much as possible. This is the equivalent of kind of the, the keys cell phone wallet check before you walk out the door, uh, except it's for bike racing and <laughs> a lot more gear intensive. Uh, One thing I do always bring with me to every single race, whether it be a criterium, a time trial, a road race, a stage race, whatever, is I bring a trainer. Uh, And no matter what the race is, I have the same warm-up routine uh, with the same timeline every time. I know this by heart. I can do it, and it gets me in the right mental space and gets my body primed and ready to go uh, to that start line. Again, we're going for consistency. It's the consistency of the warm-up. It's the consistency of knowing where all of your gear is in your bag. It's all of those little nuances. It's one less thing to have to stress about. I also have a warm-up playlist that I listen to on my old-school iPod Shuffle. However, I am now slowly realizing that it is time to upgrade to the new age, and I have some earbuds in route and have joined the Spotify crew. So I am now a Spotify premium member on my two-month free trial, and uh, I get to listen to new music. Um, This is largely because my iPod shuffle won't hold a charge anymore, and it is finally time to to upgrade. I'm a curmudgeon old man and reluctantly have to upgrade into these new fandangled contraptions of the Bluetooth wireless and all that stuff. But Nonetheless, I have a warm-up playlist, and it stays the same each season. And every year, I will make a new playlist. Um, And I will list my 2019 playlist in the show notes if you care to see it and or download the tracks. They're good music. It's good music to listen to, maybe a little outdated, but uh, nonetheless, still still good stuff. And and if you care to see it, you you can. So with the consistency of this warm-up timetable... I can now work backwards from the start line or from the start time to when I need to begin getting ready. From that, I keep working backwards to when I want to arrive so that I'm not in a rush. 
further back again, I want to leave the house all the way back to when I want to eat breakfast, when I want to wake up, and even further still to when I want to go to bed the night before. Then, depending upon the duration of the drive to get to the race course, I'll usually add somewhere between 30 to 60 minutes of contingency planning, of, of a what if. There's, there's a buffer in there of about half an hour to an hour. I don't like to be rushed because when I feel rushed on race day, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling. I get really amped up and wound up and I, I seem to lose focus and lose control. So the more that I can plan for and control, the better my mind and body will be when I actually get to that start line. When the gun goes off, whether I have the form or not, (laughs) uh, hopefully I do, but uh, at the very least, my mind is ready to accept the task at hand. And like I said earlier, it's taken me a good handful of years to refine this routine, and I'm always making tweaks to it. One of the most difficult parts of going through this is to stay focused and not let yourself get distracted. And be it distractions from friends, teammates, other racers, etc. I try to find a place to park the car that's kind of away from everyone. uh, Where I can set up my my trainer facing uh, away as well, facing the car or something like that. Um, But not so far away that you can't make a last minute porta potty stop. And like most folks, I use music to get me focused and psyched up to race. And I know every song in my playlist. And I know about what I should be doing by the time that song comes on. When my Macklemore song comes on, yeah, there's some of that in there. um, I should be putting on my shoes and getting on my, my super cool socks. I've always got race day socks. One thing, if you know anything about me, it's that I love fun socks. So... When Macklemore comes on, my shoes and socks should be about put on. When, uh, what else comes on that? When Fly Like an Eagle comes on, I should be getting on the trainer. It's those kinds of things that I've got down almost to a science where it is just follow the bouncing ball of the warm-up routine. And it, and it really does just relieve a lot of stress. It feels comfortable. It feels familiar. And that's a great thing to have in unfamiliar territory. The first time I did this routine that I actually wrote it down, had the list and started to check it off and go through the motions, it felt silly. It felt awkward. Uh, there were just so many steps and I was I was having to consciously take each step to get ready. But the reality of it was that I had made myself a plan to do everything I would normally do. Of course, I'd put my shoes on. Of course, I would pin my number on. Of course, I would get on the trainer and warm up. Of course, I would put my helmet on and go to the start line. All of these things were normal activities to do. It was just taking that time to actually list it out so that when you go through these motions over and over and over again through repetition, it becomes weird if you forget a step. And so you're just really following the bouncing ball to the start line. It just reinforced this uh, idea or this this plan that I had made uh, to make sure that I didn't forget anything. I've shown up to a stage race time trial before, and I've forgotten my helmet. I couldn't find anyone to loan me a helmet. I wouldn't expect them to anyway, but I thought I would try. And I had to quit the race, and I couldn't finish the next stage because I couldn't race the time trial because I didn't have a helmet. And that sucked. It's an uncomfortable taste in the mouth where uh, it's, it's your own fault 
and I had no one to blame but myself. The helmet was sitting on the hotel room coffee table, and I didn't have time to go and get it and come back and make my start time. So I dropped out of the out of the the stage race, and that was it. And the lonely, quiet, uncomfortably quiet drive home. But in this instance, I've done other stage races since then, and because I made a plan, I am not that guy wandering around asking to borrow a pump or trying to find shoes or a skin suit or a helmet. And I think we can all agree that no one likes the person who shows up unprepared and is wandering around begging for the charity uh, from other racers. This is why I have a list. And this is why I try and control everything that I can come race day leading up to the start line and going back as far as the night before when it's time to go to bed. Because it is a shift from my normal routine, it's hard to keep track of everything. There's just so much stuff, especially in something like cycling, that is so gear intensive. But if you make a plan, you don't have to keep track of it. You just follow the list. And by now, it's become my standard platform. I found what works for me, and from here, I can make further refinements and tweaks and and push it and pull it and and reform it as, as I need to. I've discovered that there are, uh, like after a road race, for example, I love peanut M&Ms and a blood orange Pellegrino. I don't know why, but it works for me. And I've added that to the list uh, of things to purchase before the race to have in the car. And um, just so you know, party size M&M bag is usually about appropriate. There are also vegan M&Ms out there, and I encourage you to buy those uh, because they are equally as delicious. There's just no dead animals. So I like to eliminate the things that I have to do. If there's a pre-registration or a waiver to fill out, I'll do it beforehand. I already have my numbers pinned on and I will not be, I make it a, a point to not be dependent on the unpreparedness of others. If someone takes too long at registration or someone has, you know, they don't have their, their, racing license and they stand there for 20 extra minutes trying to figure stuff out holding up the line i'm already prepped and ready to go and i'm not dependent on now that this person is through the line that i now have to go through the same process over again it is a nice feeling to show up and feel fully self-contained and it just gives you that one extra little percent or half a percent or a quarter percent of less stress and more confidence going into the task at hand. So this translates into whatever your sport is, running, cycling, rowing, canoeing, basket weaving, whatever, I don't care. This is all the same kind of premise. Ease the burden on yourself so you don't have to rely on others. And especially if you have special needs, such as a dietary requirement, You can't plan on someone having the right food for you and your special needs, uh, whatever those may be. So bring your own. Bring your race, pre-race food, your race day food, your post-race food, um, and be prepared so that you can be self-reliant. And that's a good feeling to be, is to show up and say, nah, if there's extra stuff to support me, fantastic, but I've got this. 
Like I mentioned earlier, I will include the packing list, one of my packing lists, and uh, my 2019 playlist in the show notes. And I'll encourage you to use them, take them, duplicate them, amend them, modify, whatever. Uh, Just be sure you think of me (laughs) every time you use them. Um, A couple other things I wanted to mention today is that, uh, for example, for sports that are extremely gear-intensive, like cycling, there's a lot of moving parts for you, for all your accessories, and especially your bicycle, that having a baseline knowledge of how to work on your bike is essential. Not only just how to fix a flat tire, but going a little beyond that. How to adjust a derailleur, replace brake pads, tighten the headset, etc. There there may or may not be a mechanic on hand. And again, it's not always being that one who's seeking the charity of others. Know where your baseline is and... If you are not the type of person who is mechanically inclined, recognize that and wholeheartedly accept that and take your bike to a bike shop and get it fixed up and tuned ready for race day with enough time that you're not stressing out the bike shop mechanic. Please don't stress your bike shop mechanic um, to to get it ready for, for your race. I have been at the start line of a time trial where somebody's chain snapped because it was so worn out that they figured they would just ride it anyway because they didn't know any different. And they went to the race organizer because they weren't allowed or weren't able to race because their chain had broken and demanded a refund. And reluctantly, because this is grassroots Tuesday night racing, the race organizer gave the rider a a deferred entry fee to the next week's race. Um, But it was through no fault of the race uh, promoter or the race organizer. It was simply due to the fact that this rider had worn out their drivetrain and snapped their chain. It was their own fault. But because they couldn't accept that responsibility and didn't have the baseline knowledge of how to work on their bike or even the wherewithal to say, I don't know enough about how to work on my bike. I should take it to a shop before I'm going to go race on it. They leaned on the charity of others. And I just have a hard time with that. Uh, I like to be uh, appropriate and thankful and grateful and uh, someone who, who does that on a regular basis. Um, we all, it's acceptable, I feel, in some circumstances on a very irregular basis when something truly out of your control happens but oh yeah this these kind of scenarios really really start to drive me nuts so with the mechanical side taken care of and understanding or at least having some knowledge and baseline for for where you you need to or how you need to maintain your equipment same goes for running shoes is don't run in worn out shoes especially don't race in worn out shoes surefire way to get injured um Again, go to your local running store, <laughs> go to go to Run Hub here in Eugene and, and go check it out and, and get fit and have your running shoes checked to see if they're worn out. Um, anywho, I digress. Next bit I want to talk about is regarding race day and figuring out beforehand what your level of social interaction is comfortable for you for that day and sticking to it. If your vibe is to roll up in the team van, get pumped up with your buddies, great. More power to you. If that's how you really get warmed up and psyched and ready for the race, fantastic. 
if you're, you know, I picture, <laughs> I picture everyone showing up in their track jackets with, you know, uh, David Bowie Let's Dance playing in the background and a s- smoke machine rolling through as they're going up to registration. If that's if that's you, awesome. That is not me. Uh, but if it's not you and you're putting yourself in that situation, ask yourself why. Ask yourself if that is beneficial to you getting ready for this event that you've signed up for and for this task that you that you have to try and complete. I've been on team buses before where I've had to get dressed in route to the race where we parked the car. Uh, my bike was handed to me off the top of the van minutes before the start. No time to go to the bathroom. No time to get get ready or warmed up or anything. Get on your bike and go. And for me, I find it very difficult to be on someone else's timeline, uh, especially when that someone decided to order food from a restaurant while stopping for gas uh, on a three-hour drive to this start of a race that you can't then go to the bathroom for before your race because they decided to run everybody late. But their race didn't start for several more hours, so why did they care? That's not my vibe. That doesn't work for me. That's my control freak and type A personality coming out in full force. And I know that, and that is okay. (laughs) Um, I also like to be sure that I know what I'm signing up for. I look at the course profile. I scrutinize any of these tricky sections that I might find difficult or troublesome. And I'll, I'll know if this course suits me or not. And, and I know that before going into the race. For example, if this is a flat finish and you're not, like me, not a sprinter, um, but you want a shot at the title, if you want a shot to win on a sprint finish for a non-sprinter, uh, you got to figure something out. And you got to do that before you get to the start line. So whether it's an early, you know, uh, crazy early solo breakaway that you try and establish, or it's a late break to try and get ahead of the sprinters, you you got to have those plans A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z in place before you before you start up to that to that race. So the last topic I'm going to talk about today uh, is. Let me forewarn you, may get a little soapboxy, but uh, is something that is very important to me, and I feel it is an appropriate time to share uh, with all of you tuning in. And that is that most of these races, even at the pro level, are fundamentally operated by volunteers. I chair a board of directors for our local grassroots racing organization. It's a nonprofit and we are entirely volunteer ran. There's no salaries to pay, and any meager profits are poured straight back into the organization. And I always make it a point anytime I'm participating in this race or a race that I'm not helping to promote, I always take time to thank the person holding my bike at the start line, checking me in at registration, the race promoter if I get an opportunity to see them, is to say thanks and also to be aware of your surroundings. Be thankful to all the folks trying to put on these events and recognizing that there are so many behind-the-scenes things, just all of the things that happen behind the scenes that you don't know about. The permitting, the logistical uh, operations of coordinating the volunteers, making sure you've got tape, you've got 
working pens, liability waivers, stickers to hand out, race um, officials and EMT, course marshals, um, everything. There is so much behind the scenes work that goes on to make a race happen. So this is my unabashed and unashamed plug. And it's to not be irritated or irritating if the results take longer than expected. If your finish for 15th place is wrong and you're marked as 16th or 17th, if the start is delayed because a volunteer is finishing a critical task, if your name is misspelled on the start list, or for any other non-life-or-death scenario for your community-ran grassroots Tuesday night bike race, running race, whatever. Be happy you're there. Be a steward for this sport by making it a welcome environment for all participants. The ripple effect of a disgruntled racer can be pretty deep, and I've seen these effects firsthand, where if your racers constantly and consistently berate your volunteers at registration, Uh, because the results were 10 minutes too late or they can't stick around for the awards or the the awards aren't good enough. We've had that before. Um, But if you're consistently berating your volunteers, they're not going to continue to show up. If new racers show up to this, this is their first time and they're seeing this happen, they're not going to come back for round two or three or four. They're not going to become your regulars. This is grassroots racing promotion at its absolute best. Every community has a grassroots racing organization, and we are better for it. And those who come out to participate in any capacity, whether it's spectator, whether it's volunteer, whether it's racer, whatever, should be celebrated for being engaged in their community and And we have to treat people better than we have in the past. One, with everything that's going on in the world, life is difficult. And when racing does actually kick up again, and trust me, it will happen, we have to be even more respectful and welcoming of all of these new people and celebrate all of our returning veteran racers uh, to this sport. And not only this sport, but also welcoming them back into the community. We have so much turmoil going on that anytime we are purposefully aggressive, passive aggressive, or rude because we weren't happy with the results or or what have you, um, those ripple effects go deep. And I feel that though, as though they're going to go even deeper in this new climate that we're entering. So that's my soapbox on racing and grassroots racing. It is fundamental to our sport, to any sport, to have these racing communities and these grassroots racing organizations. Please remember, these are volunteer-ran, and we welcome you in this sport, but we also want to welcome all of the new participants in this sport. And it is imperative of anyone who participates in or considers themselves a bike racer or a runner or a participant in any activity, that it is imperative that you welcome other people, new people, into this sport. So like last time, I will leave you with three things to do. 
until next week. One, stay on target. Two, tell all of your friends about this podcast and tell them to listen. Three, do you have a pre-race routine? And if you do, send me a message or comment on my Instagram page at notlast underscore podcast. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks for tuning in to the Not Last Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop weekly. Follow us on Instagram at notlast underscore podcast. This podcast is produced solely by me. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends. Music is generously permitted by the illustrious Flamingosis. My amazing artwork was created by the extremely talented Paige Anochibar. Give them a follow and be sure to always support local artists. You can find and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher podcasts. Coming up next week, I'm going to talk about visualization and how I've used a vision board for success. I'm excited you're here and hope you'll come back soon.